At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Sign up for the Ultimate Clemson Sports Newsletter, The Tiger Take, written by Post and Courier reporter John Blau. You'll receive exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. Keep up to date with position battles, behind-the-scenes updates on practices, press conferences, and games. Stay in the know on all things Tigers, plus subscribers get access to all Clemson and Carolina sports stories on the Post and Courier's website. Start your two-week free trial today at postandcourier.com forward slash the Tiger Take. Hey guys, this is John Blau, the Post and Courier, your Clemson reporter. Uh, we are here for our weekly countdown to kickoff feature, which is one of a, a couple non-newspaper uh, features that we do for you guys. Uh, there's this, there's also our newsletter, The Tiger Take, uh, where I send my stories and just other analysis and uh, things that didn't make the newspaper uh, to your inbox every morning. Uh, that you can subscribe to at postandcourier.com forward slash The Tiger Take. Uh, but back to this, our countdown to kick off feature, we're basically going to uh, preview the Wake Forest matchup uh, with Tim Beret, uh, the former uh, sports information director for Clemson football a long time. Um, Tim, how you doing? Doing great, John. How are you? Doing all right. Um, so I guess the first question I'll ask you is, uh, this is the biggest Wake Forest Clemson game since when? Uh, when would you... <sighs> You know, there's this much consequence to a to a game with Wake Forest. Well, um, there's two ways of looking at it. Uh, one is uh, obviously a very consequential game took place in 2008. We just maybe we didn't know it uh, going in. Uh, as, you, uh, as you might know, in 2008, uh, Clemson traveled to Wake Forest. Wake Forest was actually ranked 21st. Clemson was unranked. The Tigers were three and three after being uh, ranked in the top 10 in the nation going into the game. Now, Wake Forest had a team with a bunch of uh, really uh, prominent defensive players. Uh, there were uh, over 30 NFL scouts there for that game, mostly to see uh, Wake Forest defensive guys. And, of course, Clemson had some offensive players. Now, C.J. Spiller was a junior, so a lot of people thought he was going to come out, but then he got hurt in that game. Um, and and uh, it ended up being a defensive struggle. It was a Thursday night game, by the way, and that Thursday night games always have a lot of NFL scouts because there aren't many other games, and NFL scouts love Thursday night games in the North Carolina area because they can stay over and go to a game on another game on, on Saturday. But anyway, it ended up being a defensive struggle, 12 to 7, and that loss led to Tommy Bowden's departure and uh, Dabo Sweeney moving up into the uh, the um, head coach position. So that was certainly a game of consequence. Uh, this is the highest uh, ranked and Wake Forest team Clemson has ever faced. The only thing that's comparable uh, took place in 1979. In 1979, Wake Forest came to Clemson with a 7-1 record, <clears throat> ranked 14th in the nation. And and uh, the Tigers, I think, were five and two, and uh, Clemson won that game, thirty-one to nothing. A sophomore linebacker 
named Jeff Davis had a 17 yard interception return for a touchdown was the key to the uh, key to the victory. So uh, those are two that kind of come to mind as, as being, um, you know, prominent, significant games. Yeah. And this is just uh, interesting for Wake Forest and for Clemson, obviously, because there's still a chance that Clemson can get to the ACC title game. It's a, a lot has to happen. I mean, uh, I think Dabo Sweeney put it as we're a wounded dog on the side of the road. We need some people to pick us up and take care of us. Uh, but what has to happen is Clemson has to beat Wake Forest. Then they have to hope that Phil Dracovic and Boston College beats Wake Forest the next week as well. Um, and then if Clemson, um, you know, well, if they lose, it's over pretty much, right? But if Wake Forest wins, they clinch it. Um, and so it's, it's uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's hard to imagine Wake Forest losing two games in a row, but it is still possible. And then Wake Forest obviously wants to just finish it off right here. So um, I guess, do we think that the, the fact that there's so much at stake, you know, you know changes the calculus, kind of changes what kind of game we see? I mean, is there going to be a sense of urgency for both teams, I guess? Yeah, it could. Now, of course, there's different ways of looking. Of course, now Wake Forest hasn't really been in this kind of situation uh, before. Certainly none of their uh, current players have. I guess they were in this situation in 2006 when they actually won the ACC uh, championship. But, uh, you know, Clemson's used to playing in, in, uh, in big games. Uh, William Quackenbush, I didn't check this out myself, but William Quackenbush told me uh, yesterday uh, before I went on air with Ian Kelly that um, <clears throat> Wake Forest is um, just one in 15 in their last 16 games in which over 50,000 people have attended the game. So uh, obviously we're going to have more than 50,000 people at the game on, uh, on, on Saturday. Uh, also what you said recently, I guess we, sh you should also mention that, you know, NC state still has a chance in this, uh, whole thing. If they, um, if Clemson were to win Saturday and then wake forest lose to Clemson and Boston college and NC state win their last two games, which are both at home. Uh, so they'll probably be favored, uh, so that, you know, they still have a chance. Also, I, I got a lot of tweets and messages from people. What happens if there's a three-way tie uh, with Clemson, Wake, and, and NC State all end up six and two? The short form answer is NC State wins that tiebreaker. Uh, so a lot of people, why is that? Well, because the first tiebreaker in uh, the, um, uh, when you have three or more, uh, you would look at what their record is within the Atlantic Division. And in that scenario, Clemson and NC State would both only have one loss. Wake would have two if they lose to Clemson and Boston College. And then you take Clemson and NC State and break that tie simply by looking at the head-to-head, -head, which NC State uh, won. Yeah, it all reminds me of Zach Galifianakis. I don't know if you saw the movie The Hangover, but he's going to play cards and all the numbers are popping up in his head. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a popular gif on social media. But yeah, just a lot of things going on, a lot of moving parts. It'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. And one of the other interesting things just about this game, uh, what everybody seems to be talking about is just Wake Forest offense. Uh, it's obviously they score a lot of points. That's A. But B, the way they do it, um, their tempo, you know, they get to the line, got to snap the ball really, really fast, try to get you in a position where you're not lined up. But then when they actually snap the ball, it's the slowest offense you'll see. 
in terms of how the RPOs and all that work, they, they have a very slow mesh. Um, so they're basically trying to get people to get out of position, um, kind of hold their blocks, and then they, they pick, you know, one of five, seven different options, whatever it is. Um, have you seen an offense like this? I mean, is it very unique when you watch it yourself? You've obviously watched a lot of football at this point. Yeah, I have. And uh, the answer is, is no. I mean, when Hartman takes that snap and they go to the mesh point, I, it just reminds me of somebody walking a dog down the street. Uh, that's how uh, slow it, it can be. Now, Clemson's been pretty effective uh, against this uh, uh, Wake Forest offense under Brent uh, Venables, and they've done it by being aggressive and kind of uh, forcing their, uh, you know, their hand quicker than they want to. Uh, and so I think it's very important that Tyler Davis is, is uh, back and that uh, Aurora has a good game and the defensive ends do their uh, job, not to mention uh, the cat and mouse game we're going to see between Skalski and, uh, and, and Hartman. But, uh, you know, John, I'm really surprised. You know, they've been doing this offense for a while and they've been pretty successful, not to the extent that they are right now. Uh, you know, they're actually second in the nation in scoring offense behind Ohio State. They're about seven points per game ahead of the all-time Wake Forest record for scoring in a season, and they're the only team in the country to score 35 points per game. So, you know, this is kind of a, a copycat. Uh, the whole sport is, whether it be the NFL or college. So I would think I'd see a lot of people wanting to go visit Dave Clawson uh, in the offseason from other conferences and and uh and studying it uh, even more but boy they've been successful against everyone now i don't think they've played a defense as good as clemson and uh, i think we're going to be pretty healthy uh for 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 this game so it's going to be interesting the number two scoring offense against the number three scoring defense right i guess the only issue for clemson is is um a i guess the hope is that you know the defense can slow down hartman um, can kind of keep the running attack to, to a minimum. Um, but then the offense has to be able to produce on the other side enough to kind of get you over the hump. And other, you said, obviously, they're, they're healthy for the most part, but Justin Ross uh, did have a stress fracture in his foot that is definitely at least going to hold him out for this game. Uh, Joseph Engato is supposed to be out for a couple of weeks. So we're down to uh, two freshmen, uh, Bo Collins, Dakari Collins, uh, at receiver and EJ Williams, a sophomore at receiver. And then obviously the offensive line gets Will Putnam back, um, but he's been out for a couple weeks. Um, do we think this offense, you know, is going to have the juice, I guess, to be able to keep up with Wake Forest? I guess, what are you interested in seeing on that side of the ball? Yeah, actually, I think you misinterpreted what I said. I meant the defense was, yeah, yeah. was, 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 was healthy. Now. Yeah. The wide receiver core is, uh, Wow. I'd, I've never seen so many guys, you know, I went to practice yesterday and um, Ross was in a boot and uh, uh, you know, even you go back to, you know, Spectre who hasn't played all season, we've got about five receivers who are, uh, who are out. So I think, um, you know, getting Putnam back is going to be important. Clemson is going to have to run the ball. Um, but, you know, you kind of worry about that because, uh, a big part of Clemson being able to run the ball has been that you had a healthy threat uh, from Uwe Ungalale. You know, he didn't really run the ball last week. Of course, he didn't need to, but, uh, you know, is he going to be able to be a threat uh, in, the, in, the, uh, in the running game? But Clemson will have his top three rushers back. 
And Wake Forest has not been the greatest team in terms of rushing defense. In fact, I have, you know, this stat I tweeted out earlier today that uh, Wake Forest gives up over 200 yards rushing per game and Clemson 70 and one under Dabo Sweeney when they rush for at least 200 yards. So, uh, you know, we'll see now we've only had two 100 yard, two 200 yard rushing games this year. So, um, you know, hopefully um, the, the Tigers will be able to move the ball on the, uh, on the ground, but yeah, you're going to have to depend on some um, young players, young receivers, both Collinses who have both had, you know, good games, but they've also had some drops too. Um, you would think that Clemson would throw the ball to the tight end a little bit more in this game. Allen has been very reliable and this Bringstool kid, I think is going to be a star of the future. He's very highly recruited out of high school, had two nice catches when thrown to him this past Saturday. Yeah. And he was considered the number one tight end prospect in the country uh, when he came in, uh, Jake Brenningstool. And he's really exploded. I remember that uh, touchdown catch he had last week. I mean, that was just a nice jump ball throw by Billy Wiles. I thought maybe he was going to go over his head and get intercepted. Um, he comes down with it, uh, 25-yard touchdown grab. He looked really good there. And um, Dakari Collins was the leading receiver last week with 97 yards on uh, six catches. Obviously, um, almost had that touchdown on on the road that, you know, wasn't a touchdown. Or was that on the road or was that a fo- – was that at home versus Florida state? Now I'm questioning myself. I was on the road in Louisville. It's on the road to Louisville. Yeah. Where there was just a little bit of a little bit of a line there. It looked like he might've been in bounds, but uh, I guess, do you remember a time when the receiving core was this young? I mean, and I guess it's exciting in a way because there is potential for the future with these guys, but then also, um, you know, having them produce in the short term is another thing, I guess. Right. Uh, now I remember when we had a young receiving core way back in, 1983, we had uh, Terrence Rulak and Ray Williams were both our top receivers, and they were both freshmen. But, you know, in those days, we didn't throw the ball that much. I think they both had maybe 20 catches over the course of the season. Um, But, uh, you know, they went on to be very good players the rest of their uh, career. But that's the only other time I can remember having, uh, you know, two freshmen that they were leading receiver. <laughs> Obviously, in 1983, we never ran a single play with four wideouts in the same uh, game. So, uh, you know, we always had two or three running backs in those days. But, um, you know, certainly important positions and great opportunities for uh, for Collins. Uh, just uh, feel bad for Ross, obviously, who's had a great career. He did get 46 catches this year for over 500 yards. Uh, and, you know, mentally he had to overcome a lot. His back surgery was very um, uh, difficult. And, uh, you know, just to get that, that you know, confidence, uh, you know, back. And then, you know, we, I, didn't re- I didn't even know that he had played with a stress fracture for most of the season, which, uh, you know, can be done. Uh, maybe it's a little harder in football and basketball. I remember Dale Davis the year, uh, his junior year when we w- uh, won the ACC regular season in 1990, he played the last two months of the season with a stress fracture. Now Dale was about as tough a basketball player as we've ever had, um, but um, but you know he did get through this season and had an All ACC year. Yeah, I would think that both things would hurt. I think jumping and doing all of that with a stress fracture uh, would hurt, and I think doing all the cutting that Justin Ross was doing on route routes would would hurt, but I guess he was, he was okay. And, and Dabo Sweeney talked about that, you know, um, it happened before the Georgia game. It's like, this guy comes back, you, you, man, you know, he gone through all this stuff and then 
he, you know, hurts his foot and actually came out as a rumor that he had broken his foot was what, what came out. And that was wrong. It was obviously just a hairline stress fracture. Um, but yeah, for him to kind of power through all that. And obviously the, the, the one down play of the year that everybody's going to remember is the pick six and, and Dabo said he didn't quite run the right route, but he remembers telling him after the game, you know, I was happy you were here uh, to make these mistakes, you know, to make to make mistakes. So the fact that he's even playing football is, is remarkable, given. Yeah, because there were, a lot, there were a lot of doctors who, who thought initially that, uh, you know, you're never going to play football again after they looked at his uh, next situation. But there was one doctor in Pittsburgh who, uh, I guess, had done that surgery before and uh, thought he had a chance to come back. So we... Probably not going to see uh, uh, Ross play for the Tigers uh, again, but we, uh, uh, you know, I just think back to those back-to-back games he had in the playoffs in 2018 when he had 150 yards receiving in both games, that one under catch he had against Alabama um, that year. And then he had a terrific year in a thousand yard season in 2019 uh, also. So we uh, just hope he can get healthy and uh, have a nice pro career. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, about, about the running game, this was another interesting note that came out of the press conferences. Uh, Jordan McFadden will definitely be back next year is what Davo Sweeney said. He's a redshirt junior, you know, trending towards an NFL prospect. Uh, he's had a really good year. I think it's just kind of been under the radar with everything else that's been going around him. Uh, the other interesting thing is Will Putnam is a sophomore in Davo Sweeney's book. Uh, you know, he's obviously he's played, he played in 11 games as a freshman, 12 as a sophomore, but he gets that COVID year. Um, so he gets to still be, he's going to have another two years, uh, hopefully on that offensive line. So when you look at that group, they're all going to be together next year. Uh, most of them will be back the year after that too. Uh, Clemson has a chance to really grow in, in the running game, uh, especially when you look at Kobe Pace, uh, Will Shipley and Phil Moffa, um, you know, being two freshmen and a sophomore. Um, so I, I guess how how impressive has the running game been at times? Obviously, maybe he's took a little bit of a step back against UConn because of all the shuffling on the interior line. Uh, but I guess the, is the hope that with Will Putnam back and all of these guys back who've been playing together a bunch, uh, they can really get some forward momentum. Uh, I guess is that the strength of this Clemson offense potentially? Yeah, I think it certainly uh, you know can be in the in the future. The offensive line experience in the offensive line is is really uh, an important thing. Uh, you know, in 1985, we had a really young offensive line starting a bunch of freshmen and, and sophomores and uh, Clemson ended up with a six and six record. But boy, when those guys were juniors and seniors, Clemson went 10 and two both years and, and finished uh, uh, in the top 10 in the country in the final polls. Uh, and, you know, historically, I remember I did a note, I, it hasn't been updated since I uh, retired, but over a 25 year period, I, I took the, uh, the starting lineups and when every, uh, of the five offensive linemen, um, for Clemson were either redshirt juniors or seniors, uh, Clemson averaged nine and a half wins in those seasons. And when they had a younger offensive line, it wasn't, uh, nearly as good. So, um, you know, of course, those were two years that the running game was the staple for for uh, for Clemson, but it's still important, uh, obviously, uh, today. So, yeah, hopefully going forward, you know, you got a lot of these teams that we're playing against that veteran lines with guys in their fifth and sixth years from uh, COVID getting the extra years. 
Um, but Clemson will, will uh, should have some experience advantage uh, next year. And of course, we don't know about you know that there's three offensive linemen who were hurt this year. They got redshirted. It'll be interesting to see how good they'll be after spring practice and and uh, coming back healthy. Yeah, that's uh, John Williams, Dietrich Pennington, uh, Taquan Johnson. So um, a ton of injuries. I mean, it's just again if you go through the list and then all the midseason transfers, which is a new thing. Um, just a ton of attrition, a ton of what uh, this, a ton of things this Clemson teams has to has had to endure uh, this year. And I guess I really wanted to bend it back to the offensive line to ask you: Have you gotten a ship happens T-shirt yet? And were you were you not surprised at all when Dabo said that 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 became a T-shirt? Uh, well, no, I was not. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's pretty good. Although I have an idea for a different T-shirt for him that I have not talked to Will about. Um, but in, in light of the, you know, kind of surprising uh, great plays that he makes, and maybe I'm, I'm uh, older than most people that uh, used to go to a museum called Ripley's Believe It or Not, I thought a good t-shirt would be Shipley Believe It or Not. Uh, uh -huh. So, so uh, I don't know if, we'll, uh, if uh, he can get another, uh, another one going, he's probably uh, just working on the other one, but, uh, but yeah, I might broach that one with him in the off season. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I guess he's he's just a freshman. He's got plenty of years. Oh, plenty know. of time. Yeah, the ship happens. It's going to wear off maybe around sophomore season, <laughs> junior season. We'll come around. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess to, to jump back around uh, to the the defensive side of the ball. I mean, one of the other interesting things that Dabo said was uh, At Perry. He had, he's a little T Higgins esque, uh, a tall, a rangy receiver. Um, going to cause some problems for the uh, Clemson secondary. And, you know, they take a lot of shots. I mean, if you look at Sam Hartman's stats last week, you know, the last couple of weeks, less than 50% completion, he's thrown five interceptions, uh, but they just keep throwing it deep. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit of a, uh, a challenge for the secondary to obviously not give up any big plays. Andrew Booth Jr. is going to be back. I guess that helps. Um, but I guess uh, thinking that, you know, this Clemson secondary has the, you know, the discipline and the and the uh, and the uh, makeup, I guess, to deal with a receiver who's T. Higgins esque, I guess. Yeah, um, I guess I was at practice yesterday, and Booth was uh, full go. So I guess Booth would be on Perry, although they got so many good receivers. You know, Perry's fifth in the ACC in receiving yards per game, uh, but his teammate uh, uh, Roberson is right behind him at eighty six yards. Uh, per game. Perry's got 11 touchdowns. Roberson's got uh, eight, uh, but Perry's kind of looked at as the big play guy, 19.5 yards per uh, reception. So uh, it will be, uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's going to be fascinating, but uh, you know, I'll match Clemson's uh, defensive backs, uh, cornerbacks up uh, against anyone, but they'll be tested uh, this week because you look at statistically, uh, you know, what they have, uh, Accomplished. Now, the fascinating thing is going, going back to what I said earlier was about Clemson's ability to to, uh, you know, disrupt that you know, mesh point. I've noticed a lot of passes this year from Hartman, you know, out of that, uh, you know, the mesh point where he stops. And he's like he's only like two yards behind the original line of scrimmage when he's uh, throwing it. So if the Tigers can get in there and disrupt him and they won't have a, as much of a chance to throw the ball. Uh, downfield as maybe as maybe they have done against some of the other teams. Yeah, I think Ruka Rororo's had a couple of knockdowns. I mean, he's a 
former basketball player, so he's a shot blocker. So he can yeah. get in there, uh, block some passes. Uh, <clears throat> Tyler Davis, obviously, he's uh, got one and a half good arms, but I mean, I could see him getting his arm around. So it's, uh, yeah, no, it will be interesting to see how they do. And just, again, just a finale for guys like James Skalski, Nolan Turner, Balen Spector. Like, I guess, can you put into words? I mean, I, I could try, but you probably could do a better. What James Skalski and Nolan Turner and Balen Spector and all those guys have meant to kind of Clemson over the last few years. I mean, what, it, what it's going to be like, I guess, next year when they're not around. I mean, how, how strange is that going to be? Yeah, it's you know it's hard to uh, put a number on um, you know coaches on the field, but uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think where it was. There was one game, I guess it was it was it at Syracuse. Anyway, um, uh, we, we weren't getting the defensive call in fast enough, and ended up having to call a timeout. And Skulski went over and was was pretty demonstrative and is talking to the coaches about getting it in. I thought to myself, only a sixth year senior like Skalski could probably get away with that. But, you know, he was right. He had a sense of urgency and everything he was doing. He was the guy who had to, uh, you know, make the calls. But, uh, you know, a terrific leader, one of the smartest linebackers that um, that I, I, I've, I've seen. Uh, two, uh, one, one little story on each guy, you know, Skalski, uh, in 2016, at the middle of the season, his father passed away. Uh, and uh, that was a Friday before a game. And of course, I was still uh, working full time and I could see that everything was delayed and there was something going on. And uh, everything stopped uh, to uh, for Dabo and Brent Venables to get with him and, you know, just help help him go through because it was a sudden death. And I re and you know Dabo arranged to get uh, somebody to drive him to Atlanta so he wouldn't be by himself trying to uh, drive because he knew it would be a and it just I really just saw uh, uh, Dabo and, and Venables as dads uh, that day and I'll always remember that and and Nolan Turner I did a interview uh, with him with Jack Ford for 60 minutes on sports they were doing a feature on his father who of course uh, lost his life to ALS just the preceding June. And uh, so I spent a good bit of time with Nolan that day. We were outside. They wanted to do the, in the interview outside in the stadium in the cold and it was dark. And, uh, but he was very mature about it. He answered all the tough questions and he hadn't played yet, but I could see this kid was really a sharp kid and uh, was going to be a leader for us. And, and he's really had a terrific career. I mean, he made All-American, which nobody ever thought he would. He saved the Ohio State game in 2019 with a game-ending interception. Um, he's really done a good job. Yeah, and as his dad, obviously, was Kevin Turner, who is a fullback in the NFL. I was actually – I grew up in the Philadelphia, New Jersey – slash New Jersey area. And so I actually watched Kevin Turner when, when he was a player. Um, so it was interesting to come here uh, and hear about Nolan, obviously. And he's, he's had a great career. Um, also Brian Dawkins's uh, son played here and also, oh. uh, and also. Um, well, you got Trotter. Jeremiah Trotter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Who's yeah. uh, so, yeah, now you watch these uh, guys grow up. It's, it's uh it's, it's interesting to see kind of what they meant. I think I also heard another story about Skalski. I think, think it was from Grace Rayner. She, she wrote uh, about him a couple of years ago or a year ago. And it was that, you know, in high school, he, he, it was like his last game. And the, the other team was just struggling so bad. They were jumping off sides, making all these mistakes. 
it upset Skalski because he wanted to play more football. So he's literally telling the other team how to line up. It's like, you're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be there. Do this because he wanted them to get the the playoff. I mean, yeah, it's a, it just sounds like he loves football and he even brought that up. Uh, you know, we asked him about this, just a very different year, not what you're used to. And uh, he said, you know, I'm having more fun playing football than I ever have uh, in my life. So just a guy who really loves to play football, I think, you know, the Death Valley faithful uh, will be there and, and definitely give him a, a send off. And I'm sure he'll be crying. There'll be some emotions there. But uh, I guess what do you think that's going to be like between the the, the fans and Skalski and, and Turner, just the you know players that have meant so much over the last few years? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You talk about I mean, they all know their, you know, their leadership qualities and, and just, you know, a six years, six year guy, especially Skalski, who's actually played in all six seasons. Turner redshirt and didn't play in a game in 2016. But uh, yeah, just uh, I mean, Skalski, I guess he's going to get to 70 games in his uh, in his career, which is just mind boggling. That's probably never going to happen uh, again. But he's just been a great representative of the uh, school. He kind of reminds me of Ben Bulware who was, uh, uh, you know, great senior linebacker on our 2016 team, uh, a great leader. And he, he uh, I guess he was with Ben, actually, uh, that, uh, that season. So uh, uh, I think he'll, uh, he'll get a great uh, reception as he comes down the hill for the last time. I meant yeah. to ask him this week how many times he's actually come down the hill. Um, I know that in the last four years, this will be the 26th home game, but I assume he's been around for the uh, for the other 12 or 13 that we had in the two years before that. So he's probably come down the hill more than any other player, too. Yeah. And uh, gathering at the Paul will be back this week is what I've heard. So fans will be able to, and I guess, embrace, I guess, in a way, the team in a way they haven't all season. So, yeah, that'll be all look forward to that. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, we're running out of time. Uh, that's our half hour. Uh, anything else you want to add, Tim? Anything you're looking forward to most, or keys of the game? No, I'm. I'm just. Uh, yeah, I'm just fascinated to see. Uh, uh, you know, the Clemson defense against Wake Forest uh, offense. Uh, you know, really nationally strong in both of those uh, categories. And uh, you know, can Clemson uh, disrupt at the line of scrimmage? Um, uh, you know, Wake Forest, and they've been so. I mean, just every game, 35 points is just amazing so uh obviously i think they're gonna have to hold them under under that for clemson to uh uh to win the game that and i think overall key is clemson's ability to run the ball uh i think that's going to be huge all right so that's our uh talk for this week uh thanks guys for joining again the the tiger takes my newsletter postingcareer.com forward slash the tiger take if you want to subscribe to that and uh as always thanks tim for coming by and, and talking with us good to be with you john all right we'll see you At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.